Bob. I know. Friends that kill some people, but my friends have always been killing people. I did not break the law. He kept the body for one to do two days, and he laid the body on the edge of his tub and, quote, slid open his belly, end quote. He took pictures of him. He defleshed him, acidified the flesh and skull, and kept the skull. He had killed more than a dozen people and eaten of them. His Milwaukee apartment that was literally a house of horror. I deserve certainly the most extreme punishment society has, and I deserve, I think society deserves to be protected from me and from others like me. protect him during their first trial. Good evening, everybody. Happy holidays. <laughs> Welcome to our Christmas special. <laughs> Let me We're going to start with a Christmas carol. Ready, Heather? No. <laughs> we should have, like, did that. We should have had it all together, and that would have been good. But we oh, have everything God. else together, so. We should have rewritten a Christmas carol with some gruesome crime-related lyrics. I should have thought of that. What in the world? What in the world? Hi, everybody in the chat. Welcome to tonight's show. We're going to be mixing drinks, talking true crime, giveaways, blah, 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 blah. Is everybody ready for Christmas? Yes. I can't even believe tomorrow's Christmas Eve. Like, it is like it was just last Christmas. Like, what's happening? Yeah. Like, Yeah. And I appreciate everybody joining us because we literally postponed this like 40 million times because I got rabies lupus the black plague like every possible thing i could get i've had I, was, I, I had to postpone one time too so i mean we've been going back and forth it is a crazy time of the year you know what i mean so mm -hmm. it's to be expected it is what it is so we're going to cover two things tonight we're because we've been talking about we were going to talk about the scott peterson thing forever because we were so wanting to come to you guys like breaking news we wanted to come to you guys but it just didn't yeah. work out that way so we'll talk about that later on at the end of the show but of course this is all john benet ramsey tonight so definitely we're gonna go there but first it's drink time drink time you want to go first because mine's very elaborate yeah i'll go first because mine is not very <laughs> elaborate um mine required a lot of soaking and infusing but not so much live action you know, I was trying to find live action. 
Yeah, <laughs> you, you love the live action, and I look forward to your drinks. So I'll always be like the ready-made person, and you'll always be the like live on air. So what I am drinking, okay, is a cranberry maple bourbon cocktail. Ooh. So it could eat, it's good for Thanksgiving, but it's also good for Christmas. And all it really is is it's cranberry juice, it's maple syrup, bourbon. And a couple ounces of Grand Marnier, depending on how much you want to put in, um, okay. different options. And then you soak, you can choose to soak orange slices or cranberries in any of the liquids, um, whether it's the cranberry juice, the maple syrup, or the bourbon. And then you are supposed to serve it with sugared cranberries, okay. um, which I don't have on my drink right now, just for the purpose of making a mess all over myself during the show. But it is absolutely delicious. And I like, like the maple syrup gives it a really good thing, but I like that it has the bourbon in it. So yeah. See, you take a long time getting yours together. I do a lot at the moment because that looks like it took a long time to get it together. Yep. <laughs> so. I just like to really take my time and have a picture of mine in the fridge so that when I wake up tomorrow morning, I could start first thing in the morning, you know? Nice. Well, you <laughs> know, what, what do you expect my uh, ingredients? So we, we have a theme. I actually am having a mixed drink tonight. I'm making a drink, not a shot. But what has been an ingredient I've used every single time? Can anybody say? Rum chata. <laughs> I know but I'm not going to say it. Yes, rum chata. But this I have peppermint. Rum chata. So, ooh, okay. Get down with your Santa self. I'm telling you. Okay, so here we go. I, I guess, just call this Christmas drink. <laughs> I don't even have a name for it. Okay, so it's Christmas drink. That's what we're calling it. So, okay, so here we go. I have chocolate syrup. So first, I'm gonna. This is a lot, everybody. So just bear with me. So, boom. So we're gonna take this and. Um, I know I'm going to spill this all over me. So I have my little glass and I'm going to, this is like a million freaking calories, but we're going to start getting the glass together. Okay. Then you have more chocolate. Boom. And you have to boop, 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 boop. Wow. And you got to say boop, boop, boop. Do you have to do the sound effects with it? Okay. Of course. Okay. <laughs> we have that. Then we have some candy cane. So boop, 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 boop. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so there we go. Get it really nice. Rim that drink. <laughs> there you go. So okay. Rim it. Rim it. Rim it. So okay, so then we're going to take, I have some, some milk in my Yeti mug waiting because I'm just so prepared. I'm going to put some milk in here. Love it. Okay. Then we're going to go with the rum chata. Oh, I don't have a stir, but oh well. <laughs> it'll it'll mix it together. Stick your finger in there. Just stick the finger right in. <laughs> the rum shot, and then we have Kahlua, everybody. Mm. So okay. So now we do that. Pour the Kahlua in there. And this is our fun peppermint Christmas drink, everybody. So there we go. I think we should call it like Christmas and crime cast or something like that. We should name it. We should name it something. Christmas crime cast drink. <laughs> you know People put their suggestions of the drink name in the chat and maybe the best one. Who knows? Okay. Whatever people think this should be called. 
go ahead and name it. This is everybody's seen the ingredients. So here we go. And yuck, damn, it's not yuck, it's yum. <laughs> okay, cheers. <laughs> Wait, I have to get my maple bourbon doohickey. Okay, okay. cheers. Cheers. Yes. Mm. Okay. That's really good. If you like milky drinks or milk drinks, dairy, I guess I should say dairy. This is super yummy. Okay. I think that I've always done something with bourbon and you've always done something with rum chata. I know. I'm obsessed with rum chata. <laughs> it's pretty good. All right. All right. Ready? I'm going to yeah. enjoy my drink while you start storytelling. All right. I'll call it Christmas vacation. Okay. I did make this earlier because Chris is in the, the comments and I did use eggnog for his. I use milk for mine. So whatever you guys want to do, it's your Christmas true crime cast, Christmas vacation freaking drink. <laughs> I am wearing a Christmas vacation hat. So I don't know if you guys can see, but it says got a little knot there. It's a Chevy Chase. It's a Chris. I, you can't see it, but anyway, I am Christmas. I'm properly attired. Okay. I love so, it. Yes, you are. Yes. We're always properly attired. Every time, I just want to make it clear. Every time we do a podcast, I come from the gym. And so she always looks phenomenal and a, so much better than I do. And I always have to put on like a hat and like cake my makeup on because I've just been like working out. So I'm sorry. I always look like roadkill, guys. So um, listen, don't go to the gym, people. <laughs> don't go to the gym and then go on a podcast. Um, yeah. So... We are going to talk about a very old case, but one that I think everybody probably is very familiar with. And um, this is the John Benet Ramsey cold case, which still to this day is unsolved. Um, five years later. Yes. I have always been so intrigued by this case. I think not because it's been unsolved, but because there are just what? I just looked and Rob came up with candy crime cane for the drink. I love it. That is I absolutely candy I like crime that. cane. I love it. Okay, that's the name of the drink. All right, I just I looked at that and was just <gasps> okay. Go ahead. I'll shut so up. So for the record, I'm not watching the comments right now. So if something comes, you have to like clue me in. Okay. Okay. So um, yeah, I'm invested in this. I'm not even watching the comments. Okay. So um, <laughs> all right. So it intrigues me because there have been so many suspects and believed killers and options and everything. I mean, there's so much that it just makes your head spin. And I swear if any of you watch like the specials on this, even though you may think like, okay, I know the story. I know who was suspected, blah, blah, blah. If you watch it, it'll just make your head spin. So I'm going to jump into this. I can't see the comments, but I'll Heather, I'll, I'll you I'll know, um, if there's any, yeah. <laughs> if there's any questions, let me know. So this I, mean, I started, I, I'm familiar with this case, but like when I start, I haven't been like, I'm not in depth, like you've been in depth. So when I started to go down the rabbit hole, I was like, Oh Lord, this is a whole lot. So I, I, I'm there with you, but she's, she gives it the justice it deserves. So, well, it's almost one of those things. Like you're going to hear the story and go, this was not able to be solved. It almost pisses you off in a way. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go back to 1996. Um, so 
fast forward to, um, it's the day after Christmas. Okay. So it's December 26, 1996. Uh, a 911 call goes through. It's Patsy Ramsey, the mother of JonBenet Ramsey. And she want to play that 911 call. I could pull it up. If you want to look for it, go ahead. If you want to look for it and I'll, I'll just yap. Keep going. Um, she calls in and starts saying, we have a kidnapping. There's been a kidnapping. You know, my daughter's been kidnapped. We have a kidnapping, screaming, crying, the whole 10 yards. Um, and she makes this call. The police come and this starts this whole fiasco. So basically, Patsy Ramsey wakes up the Here, morning. Let me see if we can play it. Play, play it. Let's see if you guys can hear it. Hold on. So there you have it. She wakes up early the morning of the 26th, heads down her back staircase to make coffee in the kitchen. Now, this is important. It'll come up later. But there were two staircases in the Ramsey household. Patsy always went down the back staircase from her bedroom to make coffee in the kitchen. She heads down the back staircase and laying on one of the steps that she would step over, pass, come right across, is a ransom note. So she finds the ransom note early the morning of the 26th and makes that 911 call. Um, it's noted that the placement of this ransom note is a huge indicator that they believe whoever is responsible for this was extremely familiar with the Ramsey's daily routine because it was on that back staircase. And had it been anywhere else in the house or on the front staircase or anywhere else, it may not have even been found or for hours, days, whatever. So they knew she would stumble across that first thing in the morning. So I'll just say that. Um, so she makes the 911 call, um, calls 911 and then immediately starts calling family and friends who all flood over to the house, which is going to result later in this crime scene being completely contaminated from the top to the bottom. Yeah. Um, but. So but I mean, on her defense, like if you're looking at it from her side, if you're hysterical and you are close with your family, you're going to call your family 
because you're not thinking that the child's there in the house if she right. didn't do it. So you're right. going to call family. You're not thinking your house is the actual crime yeah. scene. So I could see why she would, uh, you know, why yeah. it's contaminated like that. But go ahead. Right. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit. So Christmas Day, it's a normal holiday. They wake up. Um, John Bonet, brother Burke, they open their gifts. They have a family day together. And then that night, the Ramseys go to a friend's house for dinner. So they're there for dinner. Um, they leave and they get home around 930, 10 o'clock Christmas night of 1996. Um, and they go to bed. And that's pretty much the story. They get home, they go to bed, they carry both kids, put them in their beds, go to sleep. And the next morning, you just heard what happened. So uh, they call the police and I, I've never been, I don't even want to say too clear on this detail. It just baffles me that they had police in the house searching rooms. Um, I don't know if they weren't finished with the search, if they didn't do it very thorough. I, I, I it, it, it actually just kind of peeves me a lot. Um, but basically they don't find her. They're focusing on the note that it's a kidnapping. Um, they're fingerprinting. They're doing all this good stuff in the house when the police come and they hear I'm going to throw in a lot of random things. They hear the father, um, John Ramsey, on the phone in the other room making travel plans. So this has always been a little, again, yeah. unclear. Why is he doing it? Where is it coming from? We don't know. Was it plans he already had? Was it something? But it was considered extremely suspicious that they caught him in the other room making travel plans. So that's really all there is to that. It just was something that was... And that is really weird. Like, that in the middle of this police investigation, you're on the phone trying to book a flight. They're like, what is this for? So um, a little while later, John, the father, decides I'm going to just, I'm going to go through the house. I'm going to start looking for anything. I'm going to go along with the police, this and that. Goes down to the basement and finds John Benet Ramsey on the floor in the basement. Um, finds her lying there wrapped in a sheet, duct tape over her mouth, uh, a bash on her head, cords around both of her wrists. Uh, and the first thing he does is he picks her up and carries her straight upstairs, carries her straight upstairs, wrapped in the sheet, puts her down in the living room. Patsy runs in, they both start screaming and it's just basically yeah. a horrific scene. Um, but he removes her from the basement. Uh, the police find in the basement, a piece of a paintbrush handle that was used to make a garage, which is basically something, a stick, a piece of wood, something that you're going to wrap um, a rope. You use it to strangle someone and you use it for leverage. So right. you're going to wrap a rope around it. And you're gonna, yes, you're going to turn it and it allows you to have that force to. And like you would need that on a little kid. I mean, yeah. over, overkill. Exactly. So they find it broken off. They find the rope. Um, clearly that's what it was. So they find that. They search the house. There's no sign of any break-in or struggle. And this story jumps around a lot. It was later noted that there was a broken window in the basement, but John Ramsey had told police that, that it had been that way for a long time, months. It had been that way. That wasn't broken that night. And he also said, 
we tried and made sure like no one could fit through that window. Later on, a police detective that they called in went straight through that window and proved it wrong that someone could easily fit through that window, um, which lends itself to the intruder theory, which is one of the many theories to this. Um, so. And Rusty, no, I did not. I did not know they were both from Oakland. So both parents were from Michigan. Okay. I didn't yeah. know that. Did this happen in Michigan? This did, didn't it? Yeah. Okay. You know, Michigan so, always got stuff going on over here. <laughs> Um, so the police say to John and Patsy, we want to interview both of you and we want to do it separately. And they declined that. They completely rejected it. They said, we will not be interviewed in any separate oh, manner, yeah. whoever. Um, they felt like they were going to be, I mean, I don't know. You feel like you're going to be trapped, but if you have nothing to say, then you know, what's, what are you worried about? But basically they fought that they, they said, we're not going to be interviewed separately, which was considered suspicious. Um, the police interviewed lots of neighbors. None of the neighbors would say anything about the Ramses. I think they became very arrogant, like right away, yeah. like they're very, you know what I mean? It's like, which why, would want, why would you want to like cooperate? That's what I don't get when you have certain things going on like this, where they're like, no, we're not going to do it. I, if it was my kid, I'd be like, yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. let's do yeah. lie detector tests. Let, let's let of the neighbors out right now and get me off the, the record because I know they have to do their job. So let's just end it right now. Take a lie detector test so you can get moving with this. You know yeah. what I mean? But yeah. So, um, person, um, so it was just considered suspicious that the neighborhood friends, friends of the Ramses wouldn't say anything. They wouldn't speak for them, against them, give any information about the family, the relationships, like nothing. They would not say a word. And the police are like, you do understand we're conducting an investigation. Like, I don't understand why you're not being forthcoming, but what it's neither here nor there, but it was considered suspicious. So um, let's get a little bit into the ransom note because that's one of the first things the police started looking at. So it's interesting because in the ransom note, and I actually, <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to put this on Rob right away. I have a picture of the ransom note. We were having a little, oh, there he's you good. go. He's, he's ready. He's got everything loaded up. Oh, he's ready to rock I, and roll. I love it. He's ready to rock. So the ransom note asked for $118,000. That was the amount. Oh, that random. was the that was the exact amount that John Ramsey received as a bonus that Christmas holiday from his oh, job. Okay. Exact. So again, a lot of the things I'm going to say could be considered, is it suspicious you think the parents did it? Or is it someone that just knows so many details about this family that they're framing the family? No one knows. So um, $118,000, the amount of John Ramsey's bonus that year. Written on Patsy Ramsey's pad, her kitchen pad paper, with her kitchen pen, which again, you think, okay, the ransom note was believed to be written in the house, but that's a little unusual because a lot of times if you have a kidnapping or a robbery or something like that, people are in a rush, okay? They are not willing to sit down at the counter and just take their sweet time and write a note. So Especially it was this detail, like, you know, it was a sunny Saturday night. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? 
this a yeah. thesis or a ransom note? Like what's yeah. happening here? So it's written in the house, a little suspicious that there's no sense of, you know, urgency. Um, obviously they put this note right through handwriting analysis. They call in some of the greatest handwriting analysis experts, um, FBI, police force, everything. John Ramsey's handwriting does not match at all. There's nothing about it that even, you know, alerts police to anything. Patsy's handwriting was matched in numerous ways. Um, and they actually had what they considered at that time to be the top handwriting analysis, basically in crime at that time. Look at this. And she came up with um, over 200 similarities. They pulled, you know, samples from her, you know, grocery list, letters in the house, stuff like that, letters, um, whatever you want to say, mail. And her E's were identical. Her C's were identical. Her Q's were written very, very distinctively like the number eight, which they said a lot of people don't do that. And again, they matched. Um and she said it was very, very likely within a 90 percentile chance that Patsy Ramsey wrote this ransom note. Um, and the interesting thing that I found when I watched a lot of specials specifically on the note was that I'm going to just put it in brief terms because obviously there's a lot of science behind it. But they basically say that any one of us can try and make our best effort to disguise our handwriting. We can start writing something and we can write completely different. We can write in a different slant, a different font. We can write, we can try to write our letters differently, but it will take a natural progression where as you write page after page, as much as you actually think that you are remaining consistent, you're not, and your natural handwriting will come out. And so she studied, you know, every line of this ransom note and said, you can hear her describe every word and say, it's clearly obvious that someone is writing differently here. And as the lines go down through the note, you can see that things start changing a little bit and you don't even know what's happening. It just starts to take your natural uh, handwriting style. Right. Um, your tendencies start to come out. So you flub like one or two and go back to your norm. They're going to match yeah. that one or two. That's why using paper clip cutting outs is <laughs> yeah. probably the best way to go. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. Um, you think you're going to do it successfully, but you won't. And she picked out over 200, like I said, and said clearly that some of them were such small little things that, you know, you probably that wouldn't. You think it, that she wrote it under distress. She wrote it because she was involved. Who knows? And that's that's the big question. So I feel like they were a hundred percent involved, even though they oh yeah. they've been cleared on some stuff. I don't know. All right. So we'll move on to the autopsy, okay? <laughs> so the autopsy. John Bonet has scrapes, bruises. Uh, there are spots of blood in her underwear. And the strangest and maybe most one of the most important parts, they find bits of pineapple in her stomach. So obviously they deeply look into this and find out that the dinner that they had, well, I'll just say the entire day of Christmas, breakfast, lunch, dinner, but more importantly, because of the digestive system, 
the dinner that they went to at the friend's house, pineapple was not served in anything. It was not a part of anything. She had not eaten pineapple within, you know, a couple days, possibly even more. Um, so they didn't understand that. If you look at the crime scene photo, and I wish, I'm sorry, I couldn't find a photo of this. And I think if I had looked a little harder, maybe I would have found one. Um, when the police initially went through the house, there is a bowl of pineapple yeah, with a spoon. Yes, on the Ramsey's counter in their kitchen. And the huge, huge question is, because when they questioned the Ramsey's right off the bat, they said, we didn't have pineapple. We don't eat pineapple. We didn't have it. We didn't serve it. It wasn't in our, okay. So here's a picture, Christmas morning, the day after Christmas, a bowl of pineapple with a spoon right on their counter. And they said, then where did this come from? And it's a huge mystery. You know, did someone that she knew wake her up, walk her down to the kitchen, give her pineapple for some reason? They had a nice little snack or something like that. And then who knows what happened? But it's just a mystery because no one understands why this bowl of pineapple. And they also wonder why the Ramses didn't see this bowl of pineapple. Like I'm telling you right now, if I walk in my kitchen tomorrow, there's a bowl of kiwi on my counter. I'm going to be like, I don't have kiwi. I don't own it. I need, Oh, Oh, who did that? Oh, Rob, is that you? That's amazing. <laughs> it sure wasn't me. So yeah, that, that is amazing. Okay. There you go. You don't just find something randomly on your counter and say, well, I don't have, you know, who put that there? Not the cops didn't. So, um, that's amazing. I love you, Rob. So, okay. So you have the pineapple in her stomach. Um, they also found, and I have a picture of this, what they believe to be stun gun marks, little burn, you know, little burn mark holes on her neck and her side that they believe. Oh. Yes. There's one of them right there. That's an actual photo. Um, that they believe someone used a stun gun on her. Um, it wasn't a cigarette, wasn't anything like that. So they obviously started looking into people that had stun guns or, you know, stuff like that. Um, so her autopsy did show evidence of sexual assault. Um, and even more importantly, she was known to be a bedwetter. So this was the reputation. And the reason that I stress reputation is her physician came forward and said, I never had any knowledge or, you know, proof or anything that she was a bedwetter. But to everybody else, this was common knowledge that John Benet Ramsey was a common bedwetter. And why this is important is in young children, this shows extreme stress, depression, tension, uneasiness um you're under some situation of stress as a young child as a bedwetter and not that it always means that but that's a sign right. so um, but again her pediatrician said no i don't know anything about this i've never been told this by the parents nothing like that so one of the theories and again uh, i'll get into this later but it's 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 greatly believed that she did not die where they found her that this her death actually took place in a different place in the house, maybe in her bedroom. And she was moved as like a cover up of some sort. So a lot of people believe that Patsy Ramsey was exhausted. Um, John Bonet wet the bed and that she struck her harder than she meant to. She lost her temper and actually she did have a strike on her head. So a lot of people believe that she struck her and then realized, Oh my God, what did I do? You know, this went way too far. 
moved her to the basement, created the scene as a cover up and went from there. That doesn't explain, you know, the stun gun, the sexual assault, any of that stuff. But this is just a theory that Patsy was so irritated by this bedwetting that she accidentally like lost her temper and just knocked her out. Um, and then staged the body to look like a sex crime because she believed that would be the most commonly accepted, I don't know, explanation. So um, there's a lot of reasons that police start questioning Patsy Ramsey. And of course, not only does she stand firm, but she is. My thing is, how how was the police allowed to say, OK, you we want to question like. Shouldn't they have just taken them and said, okay, because of the situation, I mean, yeah. obviously there's a lot of police m mishaps here, but yeah. we separate the parents. We want to talk to you. I don't, you're, no, you know, unless they say they want to lawyer up, fine, you lawyer up and you arrest them. You know what I mean? Fine. Then you're under, you know, we have whatever you can do, but like I, they had too much to where they were allowed to basically control all of this. So yeah. it's like, they were able to say, we want, we want to do this. We don't want to do this. I mean, Looking at Patsy, when you even look at her being interrogated, when she finally does go in there, oh my God, she's so shitty that it's well, like, dude, you don't even look like you care about, like I said, wouldn't you want to clear your damn name and just get on with it so they can find the killers? I mean, she was just like such a, a but bitch. That, that's <laughs> literally the next thing I was going to say is that not only does she stand firm, but she is a straight up every four letter word that I can't say. She was... And I get it that if you really truly didn't do something or you, you feel like you don't, you're defensive, but they confronted her about a lot of stuff. You know, Hey, there's handwriting that matches. Well, you better just move on and come up yeah. with a different theory because you obviously have your head up your ass. This is not the, you know, I didn't hurt my daughter and you know, this is a whole nother. Like what Rusty said, where he says they were glory hounds. You could tell that because obviously the whole beauty queen thing wanted well, Domine oh, to be out there. That's, you know what I mean? Sexualizing I her. Yeah. Everything like that. It's like, you know, yeah. Courtney, gonna... yeah, you put the kid to bed and you were able to come on. Good to see you on. <laughs> and um, we're gonna get into we're gonna get into the beauty pageant thing. Um, because that's obviously a theory that someone involved in these shows was involved in her killing well, the um, to her probably was, you know, Patsy was so I'm a beauty queen. I'm a beauty queen. You got to be perfect. And if John Bonet wasn't to her, cause she was bedwetting and that pissed her off. I mean, you could see when in the, like, just like I said, the interviews, you know, yeah. Yeah. how much of a bitch she is. I can just imagine how she was to her own child. So if someone's a bitch to you, like, and yeah. sorry guys, I'm cussing a lot, but if, if they are a random person out there being mean to you, guaranteed they treat their kids 10 times worse. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. just imagine how yeah. she was to her child. So just my theory. Go ahead. So um, anyway, she completely, you know, fights against any handwriting matches, anything like that goes against it. Um, Brother Burke. This is another theory. Um, Brother Burke. It was well known. I mean, he was very young at that time, but it was very well known that he actually had outbursts against John Bonet before they had her. Burke was the, you know, golden child, loved all the attention, you know, went to him. And obviously, when John Bonet was born and got involved in the pageant life, all the attention went to John Bonet. And 
he was known to outburst, hit, scream, you know, very jealous of John Bonet. So this is another theory, one that's not very much supported, that he hit John Bonet again, harder than he meant to, killed her, and the parents covered it up for their son, thinking, well, now we all, all we have left is the son. That's all we have. Mm -hmm. He just killed our daughter, so we're going to cover this up for him so we can have some semblance of a life and, you know, go from there. Um, there was, so I touched on the broken window. There was a suitcase, a big suitcase up against the wall, right underneath the window. Man, if I could have included a hundred crime scene photos on this show, but it would have went four hours, I would have shown you the suitcase. But basically, guys, that's what it was. It was a suitcase right underneath the broken window. I don't know about, yeah. I don't know about the sexual assault. So comment, well, how about the sexual assault then? Like, did they ever have any theories on that? Oh, they the one guy, that creepy, creepy guy. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna get into it. We're gonna get into it. So, um, yeah, I know we, we may go two hours. Yeah, we're gonna, no, 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 no. Listen, I'm gonna get this shit done, but we're gonna get into it. So, um, the theory with the suitcase, because the obviously the Ramses said we didn't move it, we haven't used it, it wouldn't be under the window, A, B, and C. The theory was that. Whoever broke in, this follows the intruder route, was originally planning on putting John Bonet's body in the suitcase and moving it out of the house in the suitcase. But it didn't fit, so they used the suitcase to climb out of the window. And that's why the suitcase was pushed up against the window, because they used it to climb out the window. So um, so that's the theory with that. Um so the DNA, there was DNA found on her underwear, but it did not match anyone in the family. Not Patsy, not Burke, not John. They tested other family members. The DNA did not match. So there are so many experts in this case that say you should not go by DNA, which is a strange comment because usually DNA tells everything. But right. there's so many mishaps and just F-ups in this case. that there's Anybody's DNA could be yeah. on there. And They're saying everybody was like, like touching everything, walking around everything, kicking yeah. their shoe dust up. I mean, anything could be anything. So the the phrase that was used was that police had zero control over this crime scene. Zero. Footprints, fingerprints, contamination, it all happened. There were people all over this house, all over the crime scene. They, they had zero control. It was completely fudged. And so it was hard for them to work with that. So let's get into the suspects, okay? Because we got to run Ooh. through these suspects, all right? And I want to hear everybody's theories on these suspects, but I'm going to run through them just in the interest of time. Can we start so, with Santa Claus? Well, yeah, we're going to start with Santa Claus. So, <laughs> and I have pictures for all of these suspects. So you guys can kind of get a look and get a feel for it. All right, suspect number one, Bill McRonald's. Bill McReynolds was Santa Claus, the friendly neighborhood Santa Claus. Okay, he, he played Santa for the surrounding neighborhoods. He came to the funeral and it was well known that Bill McReynolds had a very close relationship with John Bonet and the family. Um, John Bonet adored Bill McReynolds. He, she actually believed him to be the real Santa Claus. Um, I believe it. I mean, look at him. He—it's a fabulous beard. 
She believed it. So a couple weird things. So Bill McReynolds came to the funeral um, and Patsy walked up to him hysterical, crying, tried to hug him and he shoved Patsy away. He had a sick look on his face. He pushed her away, didn't want to be anywhere near her or John, but went to this funeral. Um, and then soon after that, proceeded to go on many TV shows and do interviews about this. Um, lots and lots of interviews about the murder. So this is an interesting thing. They found a note from Bill McReynolds to John Bonet that he wrote to her shortly before Christmas. And he wrote to her, something very, very special is going to happen to you right at Christmas. And you're going to get a very special gift and you won't see it's come. You won't see it coming. Neither will your family, but you're going to get a very special gift. So I mean, he's playing Santa. I mean, I know. I know. I mean, it could be read into like that now, but like, is it completely like he just, he's making a, you know what I mean? Like you're trying yeah. to be nice and now you're like, Ooh, so get a special gift. This is, this is a huge question in crime and everything. Do you believe in coincidences or do you not? Because there's more. Okay. So Bill's daughter and a friend of hers, when they were younger, they had been kidnapped and sexually assaulted by a predator. 22 years to the day that John Bonet was murdered. So his daughter and her, you know, her friend went through this traumatic thing. His wife then proceeded to write a play about a young girl being tortured and killed in her basement. Again, weird coincidence. It doesn't Maybe. look good. <laughs> I'll definitely say that. I mean, it's not like. So, okay. But if you are you, innocent, you're kind of well, like, I shouldn't be doing. Because, I mean, we talk about crime and shit all the time. So, if it's like, oh, my God, I'm being accused for something, people knowing me would be like, oh, Heather totally did that shit. You know what I mean? But it's like, no, I swear to God, I'm innocent. And they're like, no, oh, she's freaking not. Like, look at this shit she says all the time. So. Yeah. So the opposite, so, let me put this out there. He was extremely frail at the time of her death. He had just gone through a very serious surgery. And a lot of doctors said he never would have had the ability to do this. Um, additionally, they got hair, nail, DNA, handwriting samples. They took everything and their mother from this guy to see if anything matched and nothing matched. Not him, not his wife. No DNA, no handwriting, skin samples, select, nothing. Nothing matched. Okay. Have you ever played Santa again? <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> um, so now we move on to... Gary Oliva, 38 years old. Um, so this is yeah, this four years. weird. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this is four years after the murder. Um, police get a phone call from campus security of Boulder, Colorado, Boulder College, that they arrested a 38-year-old man for trespassing. Okay, so he's trespassing. They arrest him. He's acting weird. Maybe he's drunk. Who knows? Under the influence. Um, in his backpack was a stun gun and a poem about John Benet Ramsey. This is four years later. Yeah, this the, guy's weird as shit. The stun gun matches the marks. You know, the, well, 
I'm sure that's very common with a lot of them. But anyway, a poem. Um, he is a convicted sex offender and child molester, they find out. And he also served time for trying to strangle his mother with a telephone garage. Um, so the other interesting thing is they had a candlelight vigil for John Bonet one year after her death. And Gary Oliva showed up at this candlelight vigil. Um, one year later, he had a shrine to John Bonet Ramsey. He should he be locked up for that. So, he fully, so this guy fully admits to writing this poem and being completely obsessed with her. He admits it fully. Um, he says, I had dreams about her. You know, I had fantasies about her. Um, but he said, I loved her and I never would have hurt her. Again, police take saliva samples, DNA samples, fingerprint samples, handwriting samples, the whole 10 yards. Nothing matches to Gary Oliva. And he still maintains... I loved her. I never would have laid a finger on her. I never would have hurt her. Creepy, yes, but again, do you think he killed her? Who knows? Um, so this ends up being another dead end, which these police keep getting nothing but dead ends. All right. So now we're going to move on to Michael Helgott. This, in my opinion, is one of the more far-fetched um, suspects, but nonetheless. So Michael Helgoth, 26 years old. So this is Valentine's Day, 1997. A salvage yard gets raided by the cops. Um, he is one of three brothers that owned this junkyard or salvage yard. He had been in the service and a neighbor or someone who owned um, part of the junkyard or lived on the property called the cops um, with suspicion of Michael. Um, in 1996, he told this neighbor, me and my brother, and yes, I have bad grammar on purpose, not my brother and I, me and my brother are about to make a killer deal Worth three hundred and sixty thousand dollars, fifty or sixty thousand specifically, right at Christmas, nineteen ninety six. He spoke about a break in. He spoke about a crime, and he said, "We're about to have a great deal and make a lot of money, aka the ransom note." Right at Christmas, um, he had a past of he had a past of assault and torturing animals, um, and he had said to this neighbor. I wonder what it would be like to crack a human skull, to bash somebody over the head, and I wonder what that would be like, basically. I would have grabbed something and say, here, let's try it. <laughs> Smash them over the head. <laughs> um, they did find boot marks in the basement and around the house of the Ramsey house. He had boots that matched these prints, which, again, a lot of other people probably did, but he had boot marks that matched these prints. Um, he also had a stun gun that they found in his room. So I'm going to kind of jump ahead yeah, to the end. Black and Friday sale on stun guns. <laughs> Everybody's got yeah. one. So I'm going to jump ahead and tell you the punchline. So Michael Helgoff committed suicide. Mm -hmm. He was found dead. I've seen that. His um, trailer? Yes. He had a gun by his head. And this has always been found. He had a pillow over his face. And, you know, many crime specialists have argued 
why would you want to stifle or silence the sound of a gunshot when you're committing suicide? You don't give a shit. Like, why do you, why would you even worry with that? You're committing suicide. He was left-handed, not right-handed. And the direction of the gunshot did not match. It was the complete opposite. They said that where they found the gun and, you know, him being left-handed and the entire situation, the direction of the gunshot through the pillow was not suicide, basically. So they're saying, you know, was this a bigger cover-up, something like that? Did he have partners? Were they planning on robbing the Ramses? Um, and then he got hit, killed himself. You know, no one really knows. But either way, his DNA did not match. They tested Michael Helgoff's DNA, and it did not match. And then the boot prints were tested, and they actually found out after a second analysis, the boot prints did not match. So again, this is another dead end for the Ramses. Um, so now I'm going to move on to the last suspect. Well, not really the last one, but definitely the creepiest, the most well-known, and the most debated suspect. This and you know the guy you were talking about, Heather. So this is John Mark Carr, otherwise known on the internet as Daxus. This is his internet name, Daxus. Okay. Yeah, he's. Yes. So the simplest way that I can put it to you guys is he starts writing letters to the police, blogs, and posts talking about the John Benet Ramsey murder with details of this case that had not been released to the public. Um, so they start trying to trace him through his online internet name, which is Daxus. They trace him to uh, Bangkok, Thailand, and they find just a whole interesting history about this guy. So um, <laughs> he was married to a 13-year-old. And he had been arrested in California originally. He was a teacher of young grade school children. Um, in 2001 in California, he is arrested for five counts of child pornography. Okay. Yeah, nothing he, creepy about that guy, huh? <laughs> yeah. He tells police, my favorite age of a child is six years old. Okay. I mean, um, just take him out. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. These type of people are just like, really? Okay. Go to the gun range. Like um, you're, you're done. Yeah. But the more interesting thing is again, you could argue if you've ever watched Dexter, did somebody break into the police, you know, database, you don't know, but here's the point. He wrote in these letters and he spoke to police about details that they had never, ever, ever disclosed anything about. He talked about the fact that she had a bracelet on her wrist. He described the color, the beads, everything about Hold the bracelet. Cor okay, Courtney, have a good night. We're going to do a drawing. Your name's in the drawing. So we'll check back later to see if you won and we'll post the winner. So have a good night. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> um, so when John Bonet was killed, she was wearing underwear that said Wednesday on it. He told police that. He said, I know she was wearing underwear that said Wednesday. She had a runny nose because they found evidence of a runny nose, obviously, on the sheet, on her skin. He said she was suffering from a runny nose that night. He told the so police. Everything he's saying, stuff that they already had notes in their, like the cops had notes of this? Um, in, in their restricted files, yes. But... Okay. 
but never, none of this was public knowledge. So again, did he break in or right. did he After know that? Stuff or, you know what I mean? So either way, um, his DNA didn't match. And through some research, the police could not place him in Boulder, Colorado at the time of the murder. But the point is that I want to make very clear. He says he was there. He says he was there that night. He fully says, and this is the debate. If you watch interviews with him, he says, he openly did interviews and says, I was there that night. I watched her die. I was there, but I did not kill her. And people have tried to question him and say, okay, was there another person? He gets very defensive and says, I'm not telling you anything. I'm not giving you a name. I'm not giving you any details. All I'm telling you is it's not what you think. It, first of all, he says she did not die in that basement. It was an accident. She died elsewhere in the house. Um, he says somebody else killed her and it was a mistake. And he was there to witness it. And he gave them countless details of this crime okay, scene. Okay, if you're going to give all these details, give a name. You I know. know. I mean? Like, like I, I don't know. care, uh, Jim John Jones, whatever your name is. Like, if you don't come with, okay, yeah, she had a runny nose. Who did it? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. give me something yeah. more. I'd be like, Psh. like. <laughs> so he tells police over and over again, I was with John Bonet when she died. I held her hand. I laid right next to her, but I did not kill her. I did not molest her. I had no part of it. You'll never understand what really happened to her. And it's this huge mystery because nobody understands and he will not give up, you know, whoever this other person might've been. So, so I'm going to end it with this. So years and years and years later, obviously DNA has been around for a long time, but they explore something called touch DNA. And it's obviously a more involved, you know, form of, of research that they can do. Um, the, they, they found DNA in her pajamas, in her underwear, on her body. It doesn't match any of the suspects and also does not match the Ramses. It is a man's DNA, but it does not match any of the people we've talked about tonight. So this is just one final little thing I'll leave you guys with. Um, in 1999, a grand jury supposedly refused to indict the Ramses. They were up for possible indictment in this case. Did they have any involvement? Did they have anything to do with it? There they are, the Ramses, um, with their reward. It's like an um, original duck face. Duck lips. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it turns out that they were going to be indicted on involvement, not in murder, but basically involvement in this case. Um, but then it was widely known that the DA decided not to prosecute the Ramses. Okay. They said, we're not going to do it, which was considered very, very suspicious. Um, the charge, I just want to read the charge when they were going to indict them, it would have been accessory to a crime and abuse resulting in the death of a child. So it wasn't murder, anything like that, but it was involvement. Um, The charges were basically kept a secret and it was debated later. Why ask a grand jury to vote? Cause the vote was, do you want to indict them or do you not? They voted? Yes. We want to indict the Ramses. Um, 
then all of a sudden it just disappeared. And the DA said there were not sufficient, um, basically sufficient charges to not sufficient evidence and not sufficient charges to take the Ramseys to trial or charge them or however you want to say it. So, um, but basically it wasn't uncovered until very recently that everyone voted yes to, inv to indict them. They were, it's no, if you look it up anywhere, it said they were not indicted. They were voted to be indicted, but it disappeared. So this has been debated. Like, do they have people inside the justice system? Um, were they enough involved in the pageants that they had high contacts? Then people go to the pageant saying, was it someone that just watched this little girl perform and broke into their house and, you know, molested her? Was it a family member? Nobody knows what the hell happened in this case. And it's so debate and, and people still don't know. And so, so, now, so now your take. So now let's go to our uh, popular opinions here. What do you think? Who do you think did it? What do you think? What do I think? I yeah. think that the parents, I think the parents were absolutely involved. I don't know. I have a couple theories about it. I don't know to what extent their involvement is, but I absolutely think that the parents were involved without a doubt. And you know what? I'll even go deeper than that and say, I'm not totally convinced that John Ramsey was involved, but I absolutely think Patsy Ramsey was involved. She had just these dreams of this pageant life for her daughter, which some people say, Oh no, John Bonet loved it. Other people say, no, it's that, I'm not living it anymore. So I want my daughter to live it. And, you and, know. Then, and they're awful. I mean, you watch that toddlers and tiaras, that shit's like child abuse to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you, yeah, if you look at some of the pictures of her in her leotards, she is dressed up like we would dress when we're 18 and she was a child. So there was even a lot of people that just said, I don't even know how to word this. Like that for whatever reason, the Ramses had someone do this. They were tired of the lifestyle and tired of it and just had it was getting too hard and had someone kind of take her out. There's a lot of different, you know, it's really weird because with I all really, the I really think the theory, the first where you're talking about her getting angry and killing her by mistake. And then they do this whole cover-up thing. I mean, I really kind of believe that, uh, that that's kind of what took place. I mean, it's just yeah. so far-fetched to think, like, I don't know. They're stretching. Someone climbed through the window. They take her. Then they bring her back. And then, you yeah. know, I know. I mean, that's just, like, if you're talking about a regular killer, if they're going to take her and kidnap her, like Rusty said earlier about, you know, they're, they're going to – it's going to be quick. They're going to take her from the location. First of all, if you're going to drop a ransom note, you're going to wait to see if you get the money. You know what I mean? You're not going to just go ahead and be like, you know what? We decided, yeah. you know, forget that money. We're going to go ahead and just murder her and carry on with our day. You know, this this took no. an hour longer than we thought. <laughs> you know what I mean? There were there were a lot of things. And guys, I'm sorry, but I can't get into everything because we'd be on this for six hours. There was a lot of things about the house, the crime scene, where people said this absolutely was either a family member or someone that knew the family. Um, very familiar with them or 
that the family basically imparted this knowledge onto somebody. And I just can't believe that, you know, with all the advancement, like I truly can't believe that we still haven't been able to put, I don't know. It'll like, never be solved. Somebody like, it's just crazy to me. It is. It's, it's like, it's just a mess. It's a mess. And it's sad for her. She's a beautiful little girl. You yeah. know what I mean? And her life was cut short and, Especially yeah. right around, you know, I hate to see that that kind of sad stuff, but I definitely feel the parent. Even though, I mean, I watched something where they interviewed John years later after Patsy passed away, yeah. and he said yeah. like how, you know, they said, "Well, you guys have been completely exonerated of everything," and he's like, "Yeah, you know, whatever," and he's just moved on with his life. And but like, I don't know. I think they had a lot of connections. They had a lot of people in the bag, and they got away with what they did. So that's my theory. And that's what I'll think from this case, but there'll never be any justice for this little girl. Well, never. and Everybody, like, isn't a lot of people already gone and dead out of this? Like I know Patsy's yeah. gone. I mean, a lot of yeah. people have already passed away. So, but this yeah. is the question that I leave people with because, and of course it's the simplest question. It's never simple, but people say, who benefits from a crime? Why? That's the first thing that they ask when a crime happens. Who has the most to gain from this? I don't have an answer for that. Who had? Sure. I mean, yeah, sometimes there are senseless random crimes, of course. But who had something to gain from this? I don't really understand it. And I don't know. I, I think the parents were absolutely involved. Um but I don't know. I think the parents were trying to look like the victims so bad. And it's like they, they wanted that whole victim thing. And they thought that, okay, we're going to, we're going to play this off. We're going to get all this. We're the victims. Oh, da, 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 da. but it turned the way they acted. They're the suspects, you know, maybe yeah. if they would have cooperated and did whatever they wouldn't. I mean, Patsy's in her grave right now. And we're still looking at her like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So exactly. she did that to herself by not cooperating. I'm sorry. It's your kid. You're going to cooperate and figure it out to, to make it right. But uh, whatever. I just feel bad. It's a, it's a case that's going to go unsolved, unsolved forever. Yeah. And if they do come out with something, it'll be just because they want to close it. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's kind of like that John Walsh, Adam, they finally said they closed that case. Um, I feel that they didn't. I feel like they just, it's one of those things like so many years later, I think they just want to mark things closed. So who yeah. knows? Maybe they'll do the same here. And then say, oh, it actually was Patty because she can't defend herself now. But she should have did that when she was alive. <laughs> so yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, and and obviously, like I said, there's so many other theories just of a random intruder. Someone that watched the pageant. Someone that was going to rob the house because it was Christmas and there's electronics. And, you know, there's so many, you know, you could go on forever about it. But I just, I don't understand it. And it just baffles me because... I definitely think that the parents had some involvement, but I don't know what I, I, you know, I don't know to what degree. And it's just, but like you said, it's sad. Nonetheless, it was a horrific, pointless murder. And, you know, it's, it's something that I think people will, books are still going to come out about it. Specials are still going to come yeah. out about it. We're going to read them. We're going to watch them. We're going to look into it. And maybe someday something will be, you know, will be found out, but, Maybe the no. brother will have a suppressed memory come through. You know what yeah. I mean? Who knows no, what happened? No. Crazier so. things happen, but yeah. yeah. All right. 
Well, there you have I it. Into the Scott Peterson thing, but I'm going to do our drawing real quick. I got my. So anybody who is live tonight watching, your name is in this hat. Shake it, shake it, shake it. A little Christmas right. Serial killer hand. Our silly <laughs> serial killer cookbook. Look at I'm doing this real good. So you see everybody? There's no trickery to this. Oh. My husband actually won, Chris Childers. He has watched this show a million times. Do you want this, Chris? Or you since it's me, you want me to go pick someone else? He's like, I never win. Let's see if he wants to give that up. Do you want? We're not gonna. I'll, I'll just buy you. I'll just buy you one. <laughs> like, let's go buy you one. Let's get someone else. But you did win, Chris. You were the first winner. But I just, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't. Courtney. Oh, I can't. Can you see? It? I can't see it, but okay. There we go. Courtney won. There we go, everybody. So Chris. You're going to get a complimentary cookbook because <laughs> I'm your wife. But, Courtney, you won. <laughs> so there we go. Two cookbooks given out today. So, yay. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm still going to get you one, Chris, because I want it. <laughs> so win-win. So, so, Courtney and Chris are our winners tonight. Yay. <laughs> okay. Who's Scott Peterson? So, Rob says we are good to go over an hour because we we have so and we're fine. So right. everybody stick with us a little bit longer. Yeah, just this, a couple of minutes. We're just gonna this is gonna, gonna be a great little thing. Yeah, we're gonna follow. We're gonna actually get in depth with this case next year. So yeah, you know, a couple of weeks. January. Yeah. So you're not sure. Anyways, uh, so <laughs> I hate when people say that, but it's like you're just gonna say that, but. <laughs> Please say that at the end of the show. Someone please say see you next year. See you next year. Okay. We'll say it. We'll all say it together. All right. Okay. So Scott Peterson, Lacey Peterson. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So yeah. she goes missing. When does she go missing? Do we know? We're not going to get into this case. We're going to get into the sentence. So we'll break down. Yeah. We're, yeah. yeah. We're, 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 we're not going to get into the details because we are going to cover the Lacey Peterson, Scott Peterson case in January. Right? Yes, Rob. I love there you, you so much. There you go. Thank you. Oh, my God. Next year. Yes. Um, so, guys, we're going to cover the Scott Peterson case in January. But, you know, this one, oh, I his really. Sentence, so his sentence case. was finally commuted to life in prison. So he was yeah. on death row for so long. Yeah. And he was, was on death row. And basically what happened was, I'm going to try to sum it up. I'm not good at that, guys. I'm Italian. I talk a lot, okay? So, <laughs> all right. He got death penalty. And I know the popular opinion. He did it. There's no doubt. But there's a lot of doubt. And in the years after he got convicted, a lot of groups got together and named themselves, like, Justice for Scott Peterson, you know, People Belief for Scott, yada, yada. And they spent their lives, no connection to him, they have jobs, they have children. They spent their lives proving over the last however many years, decade, basically, that there have been sightings of Lacey that don't match up to any of this, you know, the case of when they think he could have killed her. Um, proof, sightings of other people basically kidnapping her. He did that shit. Okay. Um, so mm -hmm. all I'm saying is there's been a lot of other 
things thrown out there that could possibly prove he's completely innocent. So his lawyer. And when I went, because like I was, I was with Kyra. I was like, he did that shit. He did that shit. Because I remember when that case broke out. Yeah. But then when I started going through, <laughs> when I started going through all of this, and like years later, and what I'm, I, there's reasonable doubt. Like I do have a little bit of reasonable doubt That's when it comes to this case. Yes, and, and if we're being fair, I'm not saying I think he didn't. I'm I just saying he's a total douchebag. We're being I mean? fair. It is based on reasonable doubt, and there is a lot of reasonable doubt. If you match up his actions, his timeline, everything, him at the marina, him driving around, him here, traffic stops, cell phone records, everything, and you match up when people said, I saw Lacey, not a pregnant woman, Lacey specifically, at this place, at this time, it doesn't, there's no way that he could have killed her, and I'm not saying that's my opinion, I'm just saying... This is something that thousands of people, more than that, try to do. They try to get their sentence overturned. They try to get granted a new trial. And he just did it. He got his sentence reduced from death penalty. Get her sentence overturned. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to see so whose comment that was, a Facebook user. That's okay. Um, I like hearing myself. To life in prison. And he is being, he's going to be granted a new trial. And that is huge whether whatever you believe in that is huge and the thing is this that i want to ask people is can you separate he's a cheater douchebag i won't say a bunch of curse words but can someone really be just a terrible human being the lowest of the low did i cheat on my pregnant wife did i lie to my mistress did i say she was dead is it possible to do all of this but not be a murderer? Yes. The answer is yes. Some people do the worst things in humanity, but doesn't mean they're a murderer. And that's what he's saying. I'm a douchebag. Did I dye my hair? Did I try to flee the country? Yeah. I was scared. I was scared shitless. But I didn't kill her. And we all know things can happen. Wrong place, wrong time, wrong circumstances. And I just, I am so interested in this because I want to, say this to be fair i was a hardcore thousand percent scott peterson did it i read the books i watched the specials the news the trial everything and i said he did it and then a couple years ago they came out with um i'm gonna have to look up exactly what it was but it is this group of people that have spent their lives people on the internet can get some shit done have you seen that documentary don't fuck with cats like yes. these people, they don't yes. play around. They like dedicate and their whole life, quit their jobs. Like right. they're just like, no, we're we're detectives now. They're calling the, the cops. The cops are like, who the hell are you? And they're like, we yeah. have evidence. <laughs> it's like, dude, and listen to them because these moms, they they're like in it. You know what I mean? Like they're we should go sit in that trial. <laughs> and I'll be fair because I was the first one that when I saw this special, and I'll find the name of it because it was the one that totally changed my mind. I saw this and I'm like you know, half buzz one night by myself in the house. And I'm like, I'm going to watch this. And I watch it. I never on any case have had my mind altered. Like I have my opinion, that's it. And I literally shut the TV off that night. I was obsessed. I watched hours and hours and I shut off and I said, holy shit, I am not even remotely convinced that this guy did it. And I don't have to like him. He has a rude mug. He's an asshole. But I watched it and I said, I don't think he did this. And I was totally just surprised by this. And but so see, that, that's kind of like where you get, you know, just 
a documentary or anything from a one set. So if I'm saying I'm for Scott Peterson and I make a documentary, my documentary should put reasonable doubt in your head. You know what I mean? Just like if the prosecutor or somebody wants yeah. to show you they did it and you watch that one at the end, you're like, oh, he did that shit. Then you watch the other one. You're like, oh, I don't know if he did that shit. I mean, that's that's prosecution versus defense. You know what I mean? Yeah. So where do you yep. come out with these reasonable doubts and how do you feel about it? You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I was honed in on Scott Peterson being, uh, you know, 100% it. But then I watched a documentary and, yeah, people who want fame do that. I don't, I, I just, I mean, the, the things that I watched, like I said, I was really, like, I, I would have took them out myself. You know what I mean? And then when I started years later and this other evidence come out, I mean, his sister, though, wrote a book and she's like, he did it. That's where I think she's in it for the fame. You know what I mean? Like anybody can write a book and be a sister and she knows she's going to make money off of that shit. And I think the big thing, I get so excited about this stuff that I get ahead of myself. The big thing that I wanted to say here, and again, we will talk about this in January is, I haven't even mentioned it, is the whole jury question. The jury tampering, the jury. So they... And I'm sorry, as much as you think this might be bullshit, it's it's an accurate thing. Like, you have to be honest if you're on a jury. And they had a juror that was pregnant and abused by a boyfriend, beat the shit out of by a boyfriend, pregnant. You can't have someone like that that is a total conflict of interest, completely unethical. And they found two or three situations where his jury was completely compromised. Again, I ask you, even as a murderer or not as a murderer, as an innocent person, don't you feel like people deserve a fair trial? You can't have someone on the OJ Simpson trial that says, I hate all African-Americans, period. You'd be out. You can't have someone on a jury of, you know, Scott Peterson that says, you know what? I was carrying a baby. And I was beat the shit out of, and I lost my baby. No, that's totally, you're going to have a biased opinion. You can't do that. And that's my point is that even like a total shithead, he, you are, you deserve a fair trial. That's our country. And that's my question to everybody is the fact that it came out with so many different, that's why guys that he had his sentence commuted and got a new trial because the jury was totally messed up. So don't you believe that you should have a true, you know, I mean, no I feel problem. like, <laughs> I mean, and, and if, if we, and when we go into the Scott Peterson case, I mean, we'll throw out documentaries that we watch. So you guys can come in after seeing the stuff that we've seen too, and be, you know, after that, see, see where you're at with it. You know what I mean? And yeah. It's fun. We all we all talk together and see things, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's a toss up for me. I mean, when he got his sentence commuted to life, I was kind of like, okay, I, I felt that was fair for now. You know what I mean? Until they situate it. But I don't know. You know what I mean? The death, the death. I'm funny with the death penalty though. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if somebody is like, we're talking like John Wayne Gacy, and we'll, we'll get into those stuff next year. We're going to do a lot of stuff next year. But they admit it. They admit it. It is what it is. Fry them. You know what I mean? Like, boom. I feel eye for an eye. However they killed is how they should be killed. Like, that's how I feel it should go down. Like, okay, you 
you made somebody drink bleach to die. Okay, and here you go. Have your cocktail. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like you should eye for an eye. That's how you yeah. should go. I think it would stop a lot of people from killing because they'd be like, oh, shit, I don't want to die like this or at least give a more humane death. <laughs> so, and yeah. I, and I'm running for president in 2024 <laughs> with an eye for an eye. So, yeah, but I don't know, you guys. But, yeah, he's that's been commutative. We'll get into that, and I'm sure – I mean, did they say when the new trial is going to take place or is it getting a new no. trial? No, it's they didn't get any details of the trial. Nothing on the new trial, just that his sentence has been commuted to life in, in prison. All right, everybody. Now, next year, we're going to be doing a lot. You know, we're going to get into a lot of different crimes and stuff. And you guys tell us what you want us to go take a look at. And we will definitely mm -hmm. check that out, research it come up with a drink for it. I mean, we, we just are doing the most. You know what I mean? So you know, just look for us. We've been a little off this, you know, we've did a Thanksgiving special. I think next, next year we'll probably try to do uh, every other week. We'll figure out yeah. a schedule to bring you guys more yeah. crime and have Rob upload more pictures for us, which I know he just loves. Yeah. But can <laughs> I just give a shout out to Rob? Cause Amazing. Rob, listen, Rob uploaded pictures in a like that i didn't even send him tonight like in a whip i'm like this happened and he's like boom the picture went on the screen so that was pretty awesome i'm very happy with that so thank yeah. you i really Shout out to rob he is our uh the you know he runs full spectrum universe and the show and we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him so thank okay. you you know got to give that out for this year and you know thank you everybody and thank you for watching this and yeah so Merry Christmas, and we're going to have Santa take us out, everybody. So yes. <laughs> there you go. Have a good night. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs>